the thing where I think most people get trapped is they're trying to manufacture something to share on social media. I don't think that that ever actually works long range because people have been scammed. They've been taken advantage of enough to know that they need to proceed with caution. And so anything that you offer that isn't consistent with who you are when you turn the camera off, eventually people are going to find that there is that disconnect. And when they find that disconnect, they back away until they can figure out what actually happened. As an operator, I know other investors are romanticizing multifamily investing, and I'm looking to learn from other investors' mistakes. I know you are too, and you found the right place. Welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. I'm your host, Jerome, and we've got another one of these amazing multifamily kickstart episodes. I've got my main man, Bobby Jones. He's here in a triad with me out in Winston-Salem. Super excited to get on the phone with this guy for our first one-on-one. Bobby, how are things over, you know, 45 minutes away or yeah, so? Yeah, hey, it's it's great to be here. And, uh, you know, as as you know, the triad's a, a great area to be. I'm excited about this episode and, and this coaching session. Looking forward to learning uh, a little bit more about you and, you know, just, just seeing how we can help each other as well. So definitely For excited sure, to man. be here. For sure. So do the listeners a favor and tell them a little bit about, you know, who you are, what you've been doing and a little bit about your multifamily journey, just so they get some context. Sure. Well, I started off in real estate years and years ago. My folks each had some single family rental properties and, you know, I would often, you know, be helping them out with a turnover or something like that. And, and I quickly realized I was not a handyman. And so, you know, my first impressions of real estate were that in order to make money in real estate, you had to be handy. You had to be more involved. And so I shifted from that to investing through the stock market and investing in REITs. And I, I felt pretty good about myself with that until, of course, the 08 market crash and, uh, you know, the heavy hit on real estate. So uh, at that point, I kind of shied away from real estate for quite a while. And I was in schooling to become a nurse anesthetist. And, you know, that was what was consuming my time and my energy was was being a great provider. And so I did that for, for several years. And I transitioned from W-2 work to 1099 work. And for many people who may work 1099, you know that that is kind of a feast or famine type of environment. So during some of those famine periods, I started looking into alternative sources of income and happened upon real estate and single family again. And then listening to podcasts, going to podcast university, you know, you, you just continue to learn and grow. And I heard an episode of Michael Blanc on the Bigger Pockets podcast. And I said, well, let me listen to this guy a little bit more. He seems to have a good idea and uh, listen to his podcast learned more about the active side of apartment investing and decided, well, maybe that's not as much for me right now. And, and so listening to his podcast, I I heard another podcast about somebody who was passively investing in apartment you know, offerings. And I said, okay, that's the route I'm going to take. And so uh, I've you know currently invested in six different offerings, two of them in retirement accounts and four of them outside of retirement accounts. 
And basically that's given my family enough income to allow me to not have to work anymore. I don't make what I used to, but I have time freedom and flexibility now. So that is one of those things that is super important for me. I've got three children, 10, six, and four years old. Right now is the time when I want to be here for them. And so I've been able to transition out of my career and it'll be two years upcoming in August. So very pleased with how things have gone in my apartment investing career so far. Wow. You had some serious scratch if you retired off six investments. That's outstanding, man. So no more putting people to sleep. No more. No more. It's it's something, uh, you know, at, at the time that I decided to uh, walk away from it completely, I was only working three to five days a month. And it was something I could pick that up. But my youngest daughter happened to, we, we had an issue with childcare and it was something that I was needed at home. I needed to be able to be a stay-at-home dad for a little while. And so that's what I did. And after that, it just, I mean, everything still was fine. We were happy as a family. We, I had more flexibility in time. We, we went on more vacations and enjoyed each other more. So it, it really made all the difference in the world for me from a flexibility standpoint and a freedom standpoint to just say, okay, well, let's, let's just focus on this. And so I decided to start my own company that helps other nurse anesthetists and healthcare professionals learn more about investing in the alternative investing space, you know, mainly apartments, but also things like mobile home parks and, and self-storage and, and all these other opportunities that are out there to actually create side income that gives you more flexibility when you're thinking about how to approach your regular career. Outstanding. That's amazing. So basically you're solving the problem for them that you already solved for yourself. That's what I'm hoping to do. That's the plan. So, and, and I've enjoyed it so far. I've, I've met a lot of different people in this journey and it's, it's so fascinating to learn about what other people are doing to kind of supplement their own incomes. You know, I, I actually started a podcast a couple of months ago called the Plan B CRNA podcast. And I interview other nurse anesthetists who are finding success out of outside of their traditional careers. And it's just, I mean, it blows my mind what some of these other folks are doing and 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 how their particular plans fit in with their lifestyles. It's just amazing to me to to hear people's stories. And it just gets me jazzed up. So for sure, because that level of freedom, because, you know, kind of the holy grail, top of the medical profession hierarchy. And it's like, oh, well, but that's not everything. That's not the end all be all. And I'm still trading time for money and so on and so forth. Right. That's you know, that's a big part of what it comes down to is I got into that position and I, I was I worked in a hospital setting for about five years before I transitioned to 1099 and working in more of the outpatient surgery centers. But every time every, anywhere I transitioned to, you were an employee, you know, and, and you, when you reach the top, you kind of expect to get a certain level of respect or, you know, whatever. And, and of course that's, you know, uh, and I've, I've spoken about this with other folks, you know, there's a certain amount of ego that goes into, uh, you know, or, or bravado that goes into becoming a, an advanced practice provider. And so when you come out of school and, you know, after you get a couple of years into your practice, you begin to realize, wow, I'm, I'm still just an employee. I'm no, you know, when I was a nurse on the floor, it's not a whole lot different now. I'm still just an employee. I, sure, I can do more and I can certainly make more money, but 
you know, if, if you don't work the hours, you don't get paid. So, and you're at the yeah. whim of other people. For sure. I was talking to somebody the other day and she said something along the lines of, I hate the fact that I have to check the schedule, right? I got to mm-hmm. check my schedule to see when I'm on. I was like, oh yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, most people think they go through all of that school and get all that education. And then to your point, right. There's level of respect, but I don't even think it's respect. I think it's more the prestige of it, but within the confines of the hospital manufacturing line, right? You're a cog in that giant machine and it's not how everybody outside of that system sees you. It's very different. So I I I think what we're seeing in healthcare too, is this move towards more of a, a business approach to things. It's, it's not as much about compassion and caring for people. It's about what's driving the dollars. And, and unfortunately that trickles down to all of the different, you know, frontline providers who, you know, you're short staffed, you're working longer hours, you're, you know, you're, you're being denied pay raises and, and things of that nature that, you know, all of it just kind of comes together. And it, it we've got a real problem with burnout with healthcare providers. And so, you know, my hope is that, you know, my company on call capital can help people invest outside of their retirement accounts and, and, or in them if they want, but, you know, primarily create alternative sources of income that allow you to kind of pick and choose how you want to approach your your working career. And that way you can avoid some of that burnout because so many people love what they do, but they're being put in situations that are really challenging on a very regular basis. Yeah, and a lot of stuff they see is traumatic. So, you know, it, we're calling a multifamily kickstart. You're already out of the matrix. You're doing your own thing. How can I help you grow your business? Well, I tell you, one of the things that I've had to adjust with my business, I started in March of 2020 is when I officially kind of filed my papers and and got everything rolling. And, you know, my big plan was I was going to go to conferences in person and have a booth and talk with people, have these interactions with people. And, you know, it, it just so happens that a pandemic came along and completely altered those plans. So, you know, I, and and at the time I, you know, I started a website, but I didn't have things built out. And so over the course of last summer, I developed an educational series for people who were interested in apartment and alternative investing. And and I got people on an email list. And during the fall, my kids were still remote learning. So that was something that I didn't have a whole lot of movement last fall uh, with my business because my family needed me. And that's the whole purpose of, of me being able to do this business is, hey, if my family needs me, then my family needs me, you know, but but I, I still, you know, reached the springtime and said, OK, well, I got to get back on this horse. I got to figure out something because this is, you know, I, I kept waiting for things to get better with the pandemic and I kept waiting to change. And eventually it just got to a point where I said uh, uh, either people are going to keep being successful without me, <laughs> you know, being a part of that. I've got to change to be more successful. And so that change was something that took the form of, you know, starting a YouTube channel, starting a podcast, trying to put myself out there more on, on social media. But and, and you may have run into this, but I find it so hard to reach people on social media and to to grow your I don't want to say an investor base, but just your your influence on social media from a standpoint of, you know, I'm, I'm not one to, to post all the time on Facebook. You know, I, I'm not an Instagram junkie. I, I, I kind of, it's not my thing. Instagram's just not yet my thing. And I'm, I'm learning, 
I'm trying to get better. But it's hard to project that authenticity if you're not just posting constantly, it feels like, you know, and, and so I'm trying to figure out for myself the balance of, you know, how do I post about myself and my family and, you know, and, and then how do I post about my business and kind of mix the two so that it's not overly like, hey, I'm just here to promote my business. And that's why I'm here on this social media platform. But also, you know, I, I don't, I'm not always somebody to just me, me, me. Hey, look at me, you know, like I want you to see me and and I want you to, you know, reach out to me and, and, and I'm so great and I'm cool. You know, you should want to hang out with me because I'm doing all of these things, you know, look at me, I'm, I'm hiking and I'm doing this and I'm having adventures. And so how do you strike that balance for yourself? And, and how has that, you know, I'm wondering about your own arc over time of how you've approached that kind of conundrum. A lot of people want to be profitable multifamily operators, but lack the knowledge, deal flow, experience, and capital to be successful. They often try to overcome these challenges out of order, slowing or eliminating their ability to get their next deal done. We've developed a framework that allows them to gain the knowledge they need to find profitable deals. When they do, they create the time and location for you, as well as the generational wealth they desire for their family. The Myers methods of multifamily investing have proved to be the fastest way to establish credibility and properly grow an apartment portfolio. If you want to know more about our four-step process, jump over to MyersMethods.com to get our free four-step guide to getting into multifamily investing. Let's get back to the episode. <laughs> so... Prior to May of 2019, you will find no pictures or videos of me on the internet. Zero. And <laughs> That's pretty I was amazing. At, yeah. I was at our mastermind and I got challenged. Uh, the conversation went something along the lines of there are people who are looking for you and they can't find you because you won't share. And I committed to a 90 day exercise of posting every day and just talking about what was going on. And I think the thought leaders in the space will suggest that 80% of the content should be about you and what you're doing kind of documentation and 20% should be business stuff. And, you know, some fraction of that 20% is an ask, right? But every, all the 20% can't be asked. And so, you know, I probably swing more the other way and do more because we've got content that we're creating. And so a lot of what we're putting on social media is promoting the multiple podcasts that we're on or mm -hmm. talking about the conferences or educational events that are coming up. In addition to sharing, you know, we've done 50 podcast guest spots in 2021 already. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the sharing that content, because everybody's not going to go listen to every podcast. And I do my best to try to tell new stories when I go there. So there's fresh content for people to consume. But I, I can't always get that done in the first few minutes. And so if somebody's heard me talk before, then they may think it's just the same thing. And so we want to pull those nuggets out and offer it to the people who are in our network. So, you know, I believe the thing that most people are trying to figure out from those that are on social media is, is the person real or not? Mm -hmm. Right. And that's the question that I hear most often is like, yeah, I've spent a lot six months trying to figure out if you're real or not. And I want to talk to you to see if you're actually who you say you are. Right. So who are you? That, that's what it actually gets down to. There are a ton of people who talk about the no like and trust triad, the no like and trust triangle, all this other stuff. I believe it's a no like and trust funnel. 
right? So at the top of the funnel is no, comes down to like, and then trust is the smallest piece of that funnel. The no is what I believe social media is for, right? People, they're being present. And I know you said you don't want to post all the time. I think all the time is relative, right? For me, posting every day is mandatory. And I used to post multiple times a day. And at at some point, you know, it, it felt like a lot, but I was just documenting. Right. And so when I was still running construction projects at our apartments or I was touring stuff or whatever else, it was pretty easy for me to just open a phone, make a 30 second video and post that. And it's for people to consume. Okay. So when you're going down the documentation process, because that's what people want to see from you, if that's in alignment with whatever the business piece is on the back end for you, then I think you're able to produce and have that type of content without a whole lot of effort. The thing where I think most people get tripped is they're trying to manufacture something to share on social media. I don't think that that ever actually works long range because people have been scammed. They've been taken advantage of enough to know that they need to proceed with caution. And so anything that you offer that isn't consistent with who you are when you turn the camera off, Eventually, people are going to find that there is that disconnect. And when they find that disconnect, they back away until they can figure out what actually happened. And so it's really interesting. I had one of the folks who was in my course maybe two years ago over for dinner one night. And he said, wait, you're exactly the same way you are as you are in class. I said, I I don't know what you were expecting, but yeah, I mean, that's (laughs) the thing, right? And, you know, my my good friend, uh, Dr. James Bryant, a few years back, we, we came up with this idea, concept, uh, kind of charge for our life that we want to be the same person in all the different environments, right? And so if you see me over here and you see me over here, you should see the same person, mm-hmm. right? And this whole concept of putting on masks to go into different rooms wasn't something that we wanted to do. In fact, we found it exhausting. And so when it I decided is. that, yeah, uh, so and when I, I, decided, and I know that from experience, I, I can, I can really relate to that. I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but I no. just, uh, you know, it's, it's something where I was raised in two different, you know, kinds of household with, with two different sets of parents that when you were with one set of family, it was a little more prim and proper. Another set was, you know, I, I you know, salt of the earth or whatever you want to say, yeah. but it, it, there was just differences there that I learned from a very young age. And I'm just now starting to kind of unpack some of that stuff. So, yeah. and so that, inherently is the value, right? You don't have to be a certain way. You just have to be you, mm-hmm. especially when you, what you're looking to do on the back end, right? You want to help people. You want people to trust you with their money. Mm-hmm. And it's one of their top two resources more often than not. And kids or parents are more willing to drop off their kids with strangers than they are their money, especially if you're talking five figure amounts, right? Yeah, and absolutely. So, you know, and I, I pick with that and some people get offended when I say it and it's okay, but it doesn't make it any less true. And so those folks are going to need to be able to trust you in order for you to deliver the result that you want to deliver for them. Mm -hmm. Right. And the only way that people trust you is if they can predict what you're going to do. Doesn't matter how many people know you. It doesn't really matter how many people like you, but the amount of people who trust you are the only ones that are going to do some form of a transaction. with you. And so the only way you can get to the people who trust you is to go through the like and the no, but you need them to already get to know you, right? So I have a really hard time having face-to-face meetings or phone calls 
with people who have no idea who I am or what I've done or what I'm about. Right. For me, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for me to tell somebody my inception story or to explain to them my investment thesis or any of that other stuff, because I talk about it all the time and it's on all the places where people come to me. You know, there's a lot of different ways that people come into my world. But at the end of the day, if they consume any of that content, you know, the pillars of the Jerome empire, if you want to call it that, are the same and the talking points are very consistent. So you know, when somebody reaches out to me on LinkedIn and says, hey, you know, I, I'd love to learn more about you. I send them a video that's 50 minutes long that explains everything that I would tell them in that initial conversation. Mm-hmm. For me, it just became inefficient with the number of people who were reaching and asking those questions. And then if the person has a specific question on the backside of that, consuming that content, and I'm excited to have that discussion because now we're going to a deeper level and they have the opportunity to opt out, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm not for them, because I'm not trying to be for everybody, then it's okay for them to self-select and say, I, I don't want any more of this. And then for the people who are interested and on board with the philosophy that I have, then they're more than welcome to take a deeper dive. But, and this is important for you, right? You're not going to change your investment thesis. You're not going to change your business model for a stranger who may or may not do business with you, right? You're, you have the conviction and let's be frank, you don't have to do this. You're doing it because you have a desire to serve. And, and so that's a, that's a big selling point for a lot of folks that they they're like, well, why are you doing this? And it's like, well, because I want to help people. And, you know, I mean, I don't I don't have to do this. It's something I'm I'm very comfortable in my life as it is. So, you know, people are kind of surprised to hear that, you know, and they're like, OK, but really, how do you benefit? What, what are your benefits? And it's like, well, yeah. if you were to invest with me, I probably wouldn't get any benefits from it for several years, you know, right. and, and that shocks them as well. Yeah. So. And, you know, that trans. So that's when you have to be super transparent, right? Because most people aren't used to somebody being interested in helping them, right? It's always what's your angle? That's where people go to. And they're trying to make a transaction and you're showing them something they're not used to. So eventually, initially, they're going to back away. They're like, I don't know what to do with that, right? I don't know. So they're going to just going to back up. They're going to watch you. And then eventually they'll come back after seeing that you actually live out the thing that you told them, because it may feel too good to be true. So, you know, I think that's what happens on your journey. But what I can say, Bobby, man, is that, you know, I think you've got a good spirit and I don't think there's any way that you would have been able to accomplish what you did accomplish without doing things the right way. And I think there are a lot of people out there looking for you to shine your light so that they can see a way out of the darkness that they're in, right? Trading money, trading time for money, trading this experience that they don't enjoy for not being able to do what they want to do. And they don't even know that there's another way unless you share that with them. And I sure didn't. I I had this pull of, you know, wow, I'm putting all this money into retirement accounts and, you know, and and I'm supposed to wait until I'm 60 to draw from it. And, but I don't want to work until I'm 60. I want to, I want to retire earlier. And so there was this, this back and forth, tug and, and pull within me that, you know, eventually became too much to bear. And I found a different way. Yeah. So you did. And I think a lot of people will eventually get the opportunity to find a different way. The thing that I think is um, probably what escapes most people is the fact that finding a different way 
requires you to think about life different. Mm -hmm. You have to unprogram or deprogram a lot of the things that were programmed into you. And the, the thing I'll say to you, which I think has been programming into you is, you know, you've probably been told your whole life that it's selfish when you talk about yourself. Mm-hmm. But what if you talk, what if you talking about yourself is the thing that unlocks or exposes somebody to something that they didn't know about? Yeah. Then are you being selfish by not talking about yourself? And if you can truly adopt that and knowing your heart of hearts that you're sharing your message with the intention of letting other people know there's a different way you may get a whole lot more comfortable spending the time and making the investment in the social media posts and creating or exposing yourself to the tribe so that they can learn from your mistakes Mm -hmm. and get on their path so that they can actually make the influence and impact that they were actually placed here to do. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I want to touch again, you know, like the idea of just documenting what you're doing. I mean, I, I guess it would be much easier for me to say, Hey, you know what, today I'm writing one of my podcasts or, you know, like I'm, you know, I'm doing this, I'm recording podcasts today, or I'm, I'm, this is what I'm doing and sharing that journey as opposed to what I have often felt like is, okay, I gotta, I gotta go through more content creation and I'm just, I'm swamped with content creation already, you know? So, so switching my own mindset, I like the idea of, you know, saying, well, I'm, I'm documenting the journey, uh, you know, and, and I know that personally, like when Facebook comes up with their memories and things and it's pictures of my kids, I love that every time I see it. I saw some pictures yesterday uh, from three years ago and and my kids are, you know, it's amazing to look at those differences. And if I can, like you said, reprogram my own mind to say, you know what, I'm documenting my journey. I'm going to be able to look back on this journey and be proud of what I've accomplished, but but also look at the the trend line of being able to help more and more people. And that's a powerful thing. One thousand percent. One thousand percent. So I, I've got to run to this next meeting, but I think this episode is certainly one that we haven't talked about at all in the multifamily missteps line of thinking. So super grateful for you coming on and asking that tough and challenging question because I think so many people are wrestling with it. Because, you know, I, for one, was certainly somebody who didn't actually want to be an influencer or somebody sharing. I wanted to make a brand and thought that, you know, people would come to the brand thinking I was Nike or something else. Right. But (laughs) I'm not. And at the end of the day, people do business with other people. Mm -hmm. Right. Don't don't ever miss that. People do business with other people, especially when you're talking about money in Mm -hmm. this magnitude. So, you know, putting yourself out there and letting people know that you exist and you're able to help solve their problem is the thing that's going to take your business to the next level. So, Bobby, again, thanks for jumping on. Glad we're here yeah. in the triad. We've got to find some projects or something to get into. Absolutely. And to the listeners, to the listeners, until the next time the pack's with you. We'll talk soon. You made it to this juncture, so you really love what we shared on this episode of Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Do us a favor, give us a five-star rating, give us a review, and share this with somebody who's interested in multifamily investing. Until the next time, the pack is with you.